Well, hello, I'm Doug Apple, back with another special interview for you today. And our topic today is open enrollment. Have you heard that? Does it put a little fear and trembling into you? Maybe it should put a little fear and trembling into you. We're going to talk about the subject of open enrollment and how that impacts you, what it's like as an overall theory, and what it's like at the ground level where the rubber meets the road. We're on the phone with Mike Sharman. He's the legal counsel for Share Healthcare. You've been hearing their ads and our interviews with Mike, Share Healthcare, bought a little airtime here on Wave 94. and But we're going to dive into some more details on this whole subject of open enrollment. Mike Sharman, I know you have a lot to say about it, so here you go. Take it away. I appreciate that, Doug. Yeah, if uh, people don't know, there's this thing called open enrollment that is mandated in the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare. And... It is kind of the epitome of, or the best example of how government intervention messes things up. So we've only ever had two major challenges for medical care, and that's access and cost. Access, can you get medical care? Are you in a place where there's hospitals? Are you in a place where there's doctors? And are you able to access those doctors and hospitals even if they are there? And many times that issue of access is determined by cost. If there were the world's best doctors available anywhere and they didn't cost anything, then access and cost would not be a problem. But because whether it's nationalized healthcare, in which case you have an access problem, um, because it sounds like everybody can get care, but whenever you look at any of the states that have nationalized healthcare, you have long lines, long wait times, people dying because they're waiting, mm. et cetera. So, and that's a function of cost because the government won't pour enough money into it to do it because that would, it is just not possible that way. Um, and they just choose not to. So then we have cost. So with this open enrollment, it distorts both of those uh, issues. Access. Now, why on earth, if you're trying to make sure everybody's insured, why do you restrict the ability of people to sign up for insurance to a few months in the busiest time of the year for most of us, the holiday season. Mm -hmm. This is from November to January uh, is open enrollment. And that for pretty much everybody is the busiest time of year. Well, why? And those are the only times in open enrollment that you're allowed to enroll. So what that also does is since you're stuck, if you have insurance, you're stuck with your insurer until open enrollment when you can change. But then let's say you sign up with an open enrollment on the first day. November uh, 15th, most places, you know, some states are earlier, et cetera. We can talk about that a little bit later. But the uh, the classic open enrollment for federal purposes is November 1st to January 15th. But your insurance can't kick in until January 1, even if you signed up on that first day. So because of that government-created monopoly that each one of the insurers has, they get to keep their people. People can't leave. Well, then you have a lack of competition, which then means you have a lack of competition in price. They don't need to, or they have less of an incentive to. So open enrollment distorts both access and cost. Um, so let's kind of look at some of the, um, the facts of open enrollment. As I mentioned, it's government mandated. It involves insurance. Now, 
Share Healthcare, which is the ministry that we're talking about, the healthcare sharing ministry. Share Healthcare, like other healthcare sharing ministries, are exempt from the Affordable Care Act, exempt from Obamacare, which means they don't have this mandate of open enrollment on them. With Share Healthcare, you can sign up any any time throughout the year. Um, if you are in insurance, if you do have health insurance, this open enrollment period where the, the federal plan starts November 1 to January 15th. Okay, so with the state, some states have state exchanges, and so their dates are a bit different. You know, Washington, D.C. is November 1st to January 31st. Idaho is October 15th through December 15th, um, and, and so on. There's a Maryland November 1st through December 15th, and you might get extensions. And so you're, if whatever state you're in, you probably are getting all sorts of emails and phone calls at, at dinner time telling you about all this. That's a big problem. Government intervention reduces our freedom. If, if people want insurance, they ought to be able to sign up for it. And if, if there is an insurer out there, they ought to be able to offer, um, in, invite people with from other insurers and say, hey, we've got a better one. Why don't you sign up with us? Oh, but you only have a few months of the year to do it. Well, that's a distortion. So with Share Healthcare, what we want to be doing for people is providing for them freedom. Medical freedom, financial freedom, and religious freedom. Another um, blessing that we have with being exempt from Obamacare is that we don't have to do the mandates of care, uh, well, not even medical care because it's medical destruction, but we don't have to do the medical procedures that are mandated under Obamacare and under many state laws. So since we are a Christian ministry, we try to have our sharing be biblical of what our members would want and what God wants. So we don't share in abortive patients, we don't share in abortions, we don't share in the gender destruction or deterioration. People have freedom in all sorts of ways. Uh, also freedom in uh, which doctor you get to go to. You know, many of the ones, um, many healthcare plans have a network. Well, we don't. If, if the person you want to go to is a licensed medical professional in their jurisdiction, that's your network, you get to go there. You get to choose, and then your doctor gets to choose what sort of care they want. So it seems like I've heard of open enrollment before the Affordable Care Act, or am I just misremembering? Well, you know, the Affordable Care Act's been in for so long that uh, I think you're misremembering. You know, it began being uh, talked about and voted on in 2010, mm -hmm. and then it was implemented in 2012, really. So it's been a long time now, Doug. Yeah, you're right. So why did they put that in the Affordable Care Act? Uh, well, I have a feeling it was because there were some really good lobbyists that saw an advantage for their clients to do it. Um, when they were trying to do the Hillary Health Care Plan back in the 80s, the insurance companies were a major lobby against it, and it got defeated. So in those years between, those 20 years in between, they, the people that wanted that actually wanted nationalized health care. And they did intentionally make this as a flawed system, made Obamacare intentionally cumbersome and difficult, et cetera, so that we'd get hooked on having to follow what the government says about health care. And this isn't conspiracy. I mean, this is actually what they've said at different unguarded moments. 
um, that this would be so bad that we would just say, well, let's just, this is expensive, costing the government a ton, let's just go with nationalized health care. So in between the time of Hillary health care not passing and Obama's um, campaigning and then getting into office, they had known that they have to have the insurance companies on their side so that the insurance companies don't do a lobby. Mm-hmm. So there were a number of provisions that protected insurance companies and actually solidified their position. One is when we talk about the, the um, health care exchanges, the Obamacare exchanges, those are directed and mandated by the government, but they are insurance companies. When you sign up on an exchange, you're signing up with an insurance company. So they have those um, funneling of people to them. Then you have the uh, premium basis is that um, the premiums are set. They're allowed to have a certain percentage of all medical expenses as being their premium amount. So the higher the medical expenses, the higher their premium. So that was another benefit to insurance companies. And then this issue of, well, your members can't leave. Mm. So you don't have the administrative cost of, of people coming and going throughout the vast bulk of the year. So uh-huh. your personnel's less, you have less you know, leakage. It's, it's kind of problematic to sign up when everybody else is signing up. So you very well might keep people even past the open exchange, even if they want to get rid of you just because it's kind of a problem to do that. Mm-hmm. So I, those are my informed skepticism about why um, we have this open enrollment. Well, some people would be in favor of a nationalized health care and what they would say is, wow, these other countries like England, I suppose, you can you don't have to pay for your medical care. But what you're saying, Mike Sharman, is you mentioned accessing cost. And even if there's the idea of cost, hey, you don't have to pay for it out of your own family budget. You're saying it hinders access. How does that happen? Because there still is a finite amount of doctors. The national health care doctors, there is a finite number of them. And they can only do so many procedures at a time. And so if a person has uh, a relatively minor problem, they tend to be able to see a doctor of medical personnel uh, relatively and quickly. At least that's what narrative-wise I hear from people in uh, countries that have nationalized health care. But if they have a serious problem, then they have a very long uh, wait time. And that wait time is because there's, there's less spots available. And the, um, in the states that have, the countries that have nationalized health care, there are priorities, the triage, so to speak, of those that get care and are put on the list first. Basically the same as what we have for transplants here. That, you know, that mm-hmm. there's a certain level of people that are the first ones on a list. Well, that's true for all care in the, the nations that have nationalized health care. So you'll hear and read many times of a person who had a kidney problem, couldn't see the doctor for six, eight months and died as a result, mm. had a heart problem, couldn't see a doctor, couldn't get the treatment, etc. Here in the United States where you have choices, if, if one hospital is backed up, you can go to another hospital. Um, but, you know, it's a fiction that people in the U.S. can't get care if they don't have money. Uh, no emergency room is allowed to turn away anybody, uh, regardless of whether they have insurance or not. They have to treat the person. Since the 1950s, 
there's been the Hill-Burton Act, which says that any hospital that receives federal aid uh, in the, for, as part of the construction of it or as payment cannot turn anybody away due to poverty. Mm. So, um, and the increased use of health insurance and the increased use of government care has actually increased the cost of care greatly uh, because it's set a floor set a subsidy. And remember, many hospitals were created by charities in order to provide free care mm-hmm. or minimal cost care. Well, just like a lot of orphanages began the same way, but then as they began getting money from their social services, they converted mm. to being essentially a for-profit fee-based program. Mm-hmm. Well, share healthcare is an alternative. And Mike, as we wrap up our time today, go ahead and tell people uh, how and why they might consider share healthcare. Well, remember our name, Share Healthcare. So you can look at sharehealthcare.com, sharehealthcare.com. And that'll answer a lot of the why questions. Uh, it'll talk to you about the freedoms that you have. It'll talk to you about the, the fact that we share all medically necessary expenses that you have incurred by going to any doctor or medical professional that you choose to anywhere in the world. So that's a whole lot of freedom. Uh, probably though the bottom line freedom of why they want to do it is because this is the way of paying for medical expenses that God has provided for us. He's told us about share one another's burden, Mm -hmm. but do not forget to do good and to share as Hebrews 13, 16 for which sacrifices God is well pleased. Well, most people, most Christians want God to be well pleased with them. And that's by sharing with one another. And that's what this does. You know, our, our entity is not created to, um, get members or to generate administrative costs for the entity itself. No, it's the opposite. The entity is created so that people can have a biblical way of taking care of their medical expenses uh, and doing it in a way that God would want. As I mentioned, we, we share on those things that are necessary for us for, for life and for our health. We, we don't share in those things that are destructive of life and health. And um, those are those are pretty much the big whys. So that's sharehealthcare.com, or they can call 1-844-SHARE-HC, 844-SHARE-HC. And when it comes to share healthcare, there's no such thing as open enrollment. So you can join anytime. Again, check it out on our website, sharehealthcare.com. That's Mike Sharman. And for Wave 94, I'm Doug Apple.